Hello everyone, your friendly neighborhood type person Kyle Reed here. And I'm super stoked to welcome you to this very special addendum episode of the Interrogang podcast. This time, we are presenting our summer releases review of 2022. Uh, this is just a quick update for everyone on an, and a chance for us to remember all the incredible types released over our summer hiatus uh, that we think deserve the, uh, their moment in the proverbial podcast spotlight. Yes, and I'm here so, too. Uh, I, I, oh, Kyle. I, oh, I'm here too. Hi, Josh. Yes. I didn't I, know you were there. Okay. You didn't. Well, Did, didn't Josh see is here you too. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, so I'd love to start out by saying that it's just nice to be back in the swing of things uh, after a restorative summer break. Personally, I feel I used my time off wisely. I got outside. Uh, as some listeners may know, you, Josh, uh, are recording from your lovely home in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, but I am recording from yes. Colorado. This affords me the chance to do a little hiking and camping. Uh, I set a goal for myself to climb at least one mountain over 14,000 feet aka a 14er and i did it Very not nice. bragging Very i'm nice. just saying what i did with my yes. summer hiatus and i feel pretty good about that <laughs> life uh life is mostly about fonts but not always <laughs> so it is cool to kind of put up a little bit of what we uh do outside of this podcast but um that was me and i guess uh, josh is here too so i should at least ask uh what did you spend your summer break doing thank josh? you it's nice to be noticed it's also nice that's it, great. No, well, no, 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 on, no. Hey, hey. <laughs> I give you control of the podcast. Uh, no, really. What did I you give you do? control of the podcast for 10 seconds and look at what you do. Also, <laughs> it's a little rude to be like, I did this amazing physical feat. And, uh, you know, not to brag, but I did it. Oh, Josh, you're here. What did you do? And uh, you know I'm like a lazy ass. So I didn't do anything impressive. No, here's what I did this summer. I, I signed up and ran a mile. Yes, just a humble mile, but let me tell you, I hate running. But I did this to that push myself. Win. I didn't stop. I didn't walk. I ran a mile. And I feel very good about myself. So you're not the only one Way to go, who man. can, uh, you know, bring out the physical chops over the course of an entire summer once. Well, uh, so while although we were out uh, this summer, independent foundries from around the world did not take this summer off. So there are Nor a whole they. slew of amazing releases in the months of July and August. I want to highlight a handful that I think are worth noting, worth getting excited about, and worth your time and dollars as you yourselves are getting back to work after a long summer. Are uh, you ready to roll? Let's do it. All right. Okay, so number one, uh, Fang by Herzberg Design. So this was my personal favorite release of the summer weeks, uh, and we got a chance to connect about it in episode 14 of the Interrogang. Uh, so I will direct folks there for a more in-depth look at Fang uh, in conversation. So I won't go too far into uh, the detail of it here, but had to bring it up. Uh, at the very beginning of our time off, um, Mathis Hersberg released a font family that I consider to be one of the most notable, even maybe uh, most notable of the entire year, uh, this Fang. So uh, Fang, in the description, uses a phrase that we talk about in episode 14. It is, the typeface stands like stone, but flows like water. And I love that. Let me tell you, I wake up, feel, a, I wake up some mornings feeling like that, I'll tell you. <laughs> Yes, that's right. I flow like stone and feel like water. <laughs> uh, 
Um, no, no, flip as it. A, uh, yeah. Oh, flip it. Gotcha. As a font family that is clearly in alignment with the conventions and constructions of traditional brush and chisel Romans, Fang does bridge a spirit from then to now with moments of exaggerated terminal end strokes, precision thins, and fluid swashes galore. It's a new age Trajan. Uh, it's an old school design on a new chassis. It's really quite beautiful and worth experimenting if you're looking to, for something to get you out of your GeoSans rut this fall. Number two. Oh No Casual from Oh No Type Co. So, Oh No, only shortly after the release of Softy at the beginning of the summer, released Oh No Casual, a display sans typeface family of six weights and one textile style. <laughs> True to form with Oh No types, Casual is a mold-breaking offering having made each and every character with only one stroke. So it's a concept font if you really wanted to call it that. Uh, which results in a few wholly original forms and counterforms. The family consists of six weights of the core italicized style. So basically the whole font family, it's got a bit of a lean to the right, plus a decorative textile font packed with graphic shapes and patterns for all of your op art needs. Uh, this is another thing yeah. that I love about all the Ono fonts. They like to include a decorative fun bonus font in the family that it basically just adds value. Yeah, Ono is uh, always giving like, you like a suite. It's it's not just one thing. It's always a, a whole yeah. powerhouse. You know you're getting more than just one thing. An extra dimension to it to kind of take it to the next level. And Stuff what to play around fonts with. fonts can do. Yeah. yeah, so they've released things like borders, uh, border fonts for certain styles. Uh, speech bubbles, I think was a recent one. Uh, and in this case, uh, fantastic mid-mod shapes to play around with. So, chef's kiss on that one. <laughs> you wrote out chef's kiss? You couldn't just... Yeah. You don't think that would translate on a podcast? I, who wants to just hear me make kissy noises? That's weird. <laughs> hey, you don't know. There, we, there could be a call for that, that you're missing out. All right, number three, Racine from Coppers and Brasses. Racine is the latest type family to release to be released by the Canadian Foundry. I've been a longtime fan of Coppers and Brasses, and this new release has redoubled my admiration. Uh, Racine is a slightly flared sans serif family of six fonts. There are no italics, so all uprights. Um, with a high X height described by the Foundry as a family with, quote, subtle yet sharp flared serifs that balance the overall softness of its curves, end quote. Racine is jovial, it is sprightly, and it is bouncy. A fantastic choice to spruce up your catalog. I like how the dots on the I's and the J's are accommodated for with the stems of those letters not quite reaching all the way up to that high X height, uh, so they can make some room for those uh, those dots. Uh, Josh, do you know what those dots are called? You do. I know you do. The tittles. There it is. <laughs> uh, these My... are all the details that I'm talking about in fun type design projects. So the fact that we get to see, um, you know, the the subtle details come out in Racine is very, very good. Bless you, my friend, for handing me <laughs> on a silver platter the chance to, in public, to strangers shout tittles. Thank you, my friend. You're welcome. I know you want nothing more with a podcast than to do that. I mean, I it's all downhill from here. Number four is Glyptic, David Jonathan Ross's new Font of the Month Club font. 
So Glyptic, which you uh, love personally, Josh, uh, this is a favorite of yours from episode 14 that you went into detail. This is this is my choice for the highlight of the summer of 2022. This is Josh's, Josh's choice. is a revival of Herman Eilenberg's 1878 highly decorative typeface and released as one of David Jonathan Ross's fonts of the month. Uh, it's a highly decorative revival that makes zero apologi- apologies for its showiness. DJR describes Glyptic in this way. So, at first glance, it feels hopelessly antiquated, but underneath its Victorian veneer, it contains fascinating choices that I would never make as a type designer. <laughs> and I wanted to digitize it for no other reason than to understand <laughs> what the heck is going on. Brilliant. The best reason to pick up a revival is just to understand it and get into it a little bit. <laughs> the fact that uh, he just flat out says it makes no sense <laughs> is great. So, Josh, you did write a little review about this one uh, in our episode 14. Uh, do you have anything else to say about it? It is your pick. Yes. Well, I, I, all I, I just can't believe that DGR's feeling is like that it felt hopelessly antiquated and he didn't really know what to do with mm-hmm. it because if I could produce something of the quality of his glyptic with something that I don't know what to do with, I, that I would be a lucky, lucky man. Like, yeah. <laughs> imagine imagine things he does know what to do with uh, yeah. and does understand because if that's there you go. how you're if that's how you're gonna because if that's what you're gonna produce when you don't know what you're doing, that's great. Glyptic, I think, is one of the most extra fonts out there on the market today, but man, it is a good thing. I don't even know. Extra makes it sound like it's it's a problem. I still mm, say the way true. that it the way that it plays has the interplay between its letters and uses mm-hmm. its ornaments and its flourishes to to be one giant picture with whatever words yeah. you write is what is so stunning to me. Not a lot of fonts achieve that quite with the level of artistic beauty, I think, uh, that TJR's Glyptic does. That's a really way, great way to put it. You know, the sum of its parts are far and above away, far and away above <laughs> what just it's it normally is for, for typography's sake. It's typography plus a whole new aesthetic level on top of it. Way back at the beginning of the season, we did a, a section where we wrote a love letter to a font. What font would you write a love letter to? Yeah. Well, right. I, I I have to cheat. You're changing I have to yours? cheat. I'm, I have an affair is going on where I've started <laughs> writing love letters to Glyptic. I, it just needs to know how I feel. And even if, even it's if it's- the font of your dreams, Josh. If it's unrequited love, I just need to know. <laughs> Well, you're going to like this next release from the summer. It's called Love Song. (laughs) Love Song is from Commercial Types Vault. Love Song has landed this summer in the Commercial Type Vault, and it is an homage to Brush Script, designed by uh, Miguel Rees, uh, which started as a custom project that was canceled amid a corporate reshuffle um, and later finished for Richard Turley's guest editorship of It's Nice That, which appeared or which happened this summer. So Miguel's update draws on his experience with sign painting, toning down the bouncy baseline, and facilitating use in all caps. For those who are not familiar, uh, brush or uh, any script placed in all caps is a recipe for disaster. 
or mm-hmm. a very specific aesthetic trope. It is fascinating that they've been able to do with Love Song here and create a script typeface that does well with caps. That's a feat in itself. So uh, we all are familiar, whether we know it or not, with ATF's iconic and ubiquitous brush script. It's kind of everywhere and it's been around a long time. So I love how this Love Song script typeface is a genuine historical interpretation, not a revival, that embraces quirk and imperfection and bucks the temptation of making it a contemporary digital script like we've seen so f- uh, many times so far with very high contrast and kind of really ridiculous levels of, of swashes and uh, almost illegible extra stuff. Um, this is back to basics, all style, incredibly well executed. Um, great job, uh, Miguel. It's incredible. Love song from Commercial Titan. You know, I don't think enough is made of how impressive it is when when something is built from the from a calligraphic standpoint or something like a, a brush stroke in the digital medium. Yeah. That's I mean, obviously any designer knows that that's impressive and hard, but I don't think we talk about it enough that that is has its own level mm-hmm. of impressiveness to be modeled after something so delicate in the digital space, uh, we we need to shout that from the mountaintops a little bit more often. I couldn't agree with you more, Josh. I think uh, it is a feat of skill and experience when somebody can pull off a uh, a script, a calligraphic typeface of any kind, with um, real dexterity. That's yeah. always impressive. Number six is Etude by Order Type Foundry. Etude's launch has been teased for a a few weeks leading up into the summer by Order Type Foundry, but finally made its debut. Etude is a stencil serif font family of three weights, designed by Emily Atwood and mastered by Alphabet Type. The rather graceful yet sharp type uh, type family is a, quote, study on the broad nib pen, the history of handwritten music, uh, sorry, music notation, uh, and the influence of Jean-Pierre Rousselet's uh, constructed stencil forms, end quote. So there's a very specific reference here. Um, I wouldn't know it from looking at it, but I think you can see each one of the influences in there if you look really, really deep, especially the broad nib pen piece, right? Yeah, I see it when I hear it. The music notation part is quite yeah. interesting, and I would love to know more. I couldn't find... Uh, much more additional writing on that. So order Type Foundry, if you're listening, uh, give us the backstory on this one. It's kind of fascinating. Tell us more. Yeah, tell us more. (laughs) Share your story. Uh, I think this Type Family is rather elegant and beautiful, offering uh, for all the studios leaning heavily on a few slick serifs these days. Uh, Etude brings a little soul to the table here and shows off some masterful drawing with big open counters, tapered terminals, uh, and well-tailored stencil cuts. Um, it is a stencil family after all in three different weights, and uh, the way they handle that weight from light to bold is, is really quite good. Um, Etude is the third family release from the Studio Foundry itself, so uh, great job, order type. Number seven. Josh, you knew a future fonts font had to make it onto the list here at some point, right? It wouldn't be the Interrogating Podcast 
without some shameless <laughs> adoration for future fonts. Well, I've, I'm bringing something to the table here that is huge. And yes, it makes a splash out there in tar- as far as the news goes, but this one is quite literally huge. It's Graphics by Lewis McGuffey, published by Future Fonts. Graphics is a hand-done Graphics Sans family with a limited character set, but spanning a whopping, get this, Josh, 162 fonts. I don't, what? I don't even, but I, how did you, it's Why? too yeah, many fonts. Why, too many. <laughs> I think this is a, a really great example of diving into the advantage of variable fonts over static fonts. I think 162 probably is too many. Uh, I think you could probably say the same thing if you wanted to, yeah, if you wanted to put out a family that was uh, very specific on the weights that you think are the best, put out, I'd say 48 of those, (laughs) you'd probably span the gamut. But 162 basically just represents variable fonts. So haven't there been variable fonts that have advertised they have they have like five million styles because technically yeah. you could right. pull it pull it in so many different directions. I, yeah, I, I think that was Mark Simonson this uh, this whole year. That sounds year. right. That sounds yeah, right. With, with Proxima, uh, some of the language around that was millions of. Fonts. I appreciate 160 <laughs> something being at least a. You know, within the realm yeah. of humility. Well, so I I do think that 162 is is too many, but it is incredibly notable for future fonts because this is a version 0.1 release. There's a brand new release on future fonts. Yes. I don't think there's ever been a release on future fonts that's had 162 in the first version. <laughs> no. Uh, so I mean, the m- number of fonts for the money is probably the best you'll find out there. McGuffey describes graphics as an impressionistic take on a variety of 20th century Estonian grotesque lettering designed with features of a sticky, inky letter squash bold axis and an ephemeral irregular strokes. Gross. That's a mouthful, and it's kind of an eyeful as well. When you look at it, there's a lot going on there. This idea of a sticky, inky letter squash is kind of cool. I will say that they... They do nail this concept <laughs> in um, specific weights uh, in graphics. The straights are not exactly straight. The corners bulge out a little bit as if they have been pressed. And it's kind of a cool feature. So especially something to play over 162 fonts. It's a family with a quirky, super friendly demeanor that can certainly span the gamut of use from editorial headlines to brand ownable type. So I'm prepared to see this one all over the place in the next year. And finally, a pair of pairs. First pair that we're going to talk about is number eight. Escalator and elevator from XYZ type. So this summer belonged to many foundries and type designers, but unofficially, it belonged to XYZ type. You heard it here first. They cleaned up this summer. They've had an epic summer with a new website launch, the debut of a slew of in-progress types, um, which is new for a lot of foundries. And they have a number of official type releases, such as its long-awaited duo of families, Escalator and Elevator. So the foundry has put out specimens, a whole mini site around these two families, uh, describing the story behind them. Uh, But now they are officially for sale, technically as in-progress types, but I would say these are as close to being done as you're going to see. So get out and get them. 
from the foundry itself. They say, elevator and escalator grew from a client commission to to replicate existing signage for the renovation of a landmark New York City skyscraper. They take inspiration from prefabricated letter forms of of the 1950s. Our interpretation increases the distinction between the two styles, pulling from surplus glyphs created for customizations of the design for other clients. So they had an interpretation of a style that existed and it had split into these two camps and they investigated these two camps very specifically. So uh, geometric shapes, sure, but plenty of quirk. Elevator and escalator make the most of the Futura genre, packing in clean geometric shapes with quirky moments that break the mold in unexpected and delightful ways. So you'll be hearing a lot about this one, I think, in the coming years. Um, I would consider it done, but uh, despite what XYZ says, uh, it's a real seminal release for them. Pretty impressive for a foundry named after closing your flying. I suppose. X, X, XYZ. That is definitely X, what they named XYZ. their foundry after. And that's why I don't <laughs> say much. And number nine is Dark Mode and Dark Mode Mono from Dalton Mog pair of families to wrap up our pair of pairs here at the end of our list. These two families were designed specifically for interface design. So you can start to see where the origination of the name dark mode comes from. This tech-minded project has pixels and code in its eyes, being a fantastic go-to for those designing in the digital or development spaces. The coolest part about this family duo is that they come with optical grades for black on white text and white on black text, as many coders experience. Neat. Uh, This is really neat. You nailed it, Josh. It's neat. I don't think this exists out there in any other typeface family we've seen. Um, We've seen optical sizes for newspaper reading, but I've never seen a specific concept go into uh, fabrication that was about white on black versus black on white. And keeping your users in mind through the whole design is an important aspect that I do think is lost sometimes in, in new fonts, especially mono fonts where kind of the idea is you're going to be using them in, in tech scenarios and uh, something like this matters a lot. So you can go into dark mode and, you know, conserve some energy even by having a darker screen and this font will take over for you and give you the best reading experience uh, that you can. I think that's just a great place to start when developing a new typeface. How cool. You got to meet your users where they are. Yeah. Dark mode brings a new new angle to UX UI types with this feature uh, of optical sizes or optical grades, I guess, landing at around 72 total fonts or a tidy set of two three-axis variable fonts. It's a niche design for a niche audience, but man, its impact is incredible. It's I really hope people, you know, buy this one and, and try it out. I'm super curious how it actually works for coders out there. So and that, my friends, is the last one. Uh, consider yourselves all caught up on summer releases. There it is. Wow. Bippity boppity boo. A whirlwind. It's amazing what happens only after a couple of months off. Uh, there were certainly um Many more releases that we uh, did not get a chance to review here on this uh, review, but 
As we head into fall, uh, don't forget to subscribe to the weekly and all of our podcasts on Proof & Co. So you can actually get all of it that comes out. Yes, while, while this here podcast may not have been exhaustive, our newsletter is. So subscribe today to get every single font release on a weekly basis. So we are back with regularly scheduled full episodes of the Interrogang now as well. So stay with us and join the convo on Twitter as well. Um, yeah, thanks for listening to this recap. Be good to one another out there. Hope you all had a good summer um, and we will see you this fall. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye now. <laughs> Goodbye, folks. I Bye-bye. don't know how it works. <laughs>